Hello and welcome to Boomeranging, from expat to repat, a podcast that explores the question, what could be so hard about returning home after years living overseas? I'm your host, Margot Anderson, and in this series, we will be exploring the current job market and work opportunities in Australia for returning Australian expats. I'll be talking to organisations who engage with Aussie expats about where they see the opportunities and the challenges for Australians coming home. If you have just returned, are thinking about it, this series will give you the current lowdown on working and networking back home. My guest today is a founder and chief people officer of Leaders on Demand, Julia Van Graaff. Leaders on Demand is made up of experienced, hands-on C-suite executives ready to support CEOs when their teams need to adapt and scale. Currently, 85% of the team are former Australian expats using their international experience here at home. Having been an Australian expat in both the UK and Europe for many years, Julia is very familiar with the benefit international experience can bring to complex challenges and transformations. I am keen to find out how Leaders on Demand are working with returning Australian senior executives and what industries are really benefiting from the international perspective they bring. So welcome, Julia. Thanks, Margot. Delighted to be here today. Before we dive into things, can you share with us a little bit about your role and tell us a little bit more about Leaders on Demand? I'd love to. So I'm one of the co-founders of Leaders on Demand. We have been established for almost four years, started up in 2018. We are all about creating scalability for chief executives who want to meet their ambitious goals. And the way that we do that is we've created a community of experienced C-suite leaders who can create capacity and capability for chief executives. My role is co-founder and chief people officer. And so I think I've got the best job in the team. Actually, (laughs) I I get to spend my days spending time with experienced C-suite leaders, talking to them about joining our team, finding out about why they want to join our team when they're on the job, helping them be more effective when they're out working with our clients and also developing the community of courageous leaders, both with our clients and with our team of leaders on demand. And as I mentioned in the introduction, not only has most of your team worked internationally, you also have had your own expat story. Can you share a little bit about that with us? Yes, I guess like many of your listeners, I had that yearning from a very young age that I wanted to travel overseas. Grew up in regional Australia, so Hunter Valley. Uh, so my my early days of travelling were from the Hunter Valley to the Big Smoke of Sydney. I mean, I remember in, as a teenager really just having this, I guess, yearn to travel overseas. Our family holidays as kids were spent driving around sort of regional New South Wales and on trips to Queensland. So we never travelled overseas as kids. I remember my first pay packet as a teenager was I'm saving money to travel overseas. So it was <laughs> it was right from the get-go. I knew that my career, that whatever it was that I was going to do, was going to be something that took me overseas. I think it was just ingrained in me that I just, I wanted to go and travel and see the world. And that was something really early on. Professionally, I had grown up in family business, third generation chartered accountant on both sides of the family and grew up in family business where dinnertime conversation was always about 
how to grow businesses, what happened when it went wrong. And despite not going down the the family path of going into the family business, I decided to go and become a chartered accountant. And I think part of that was because I knew there was this sense that if I became a chartered accountant, I knew I could go and get a job anywhere. That was sort of the ticket to traveling around the world. And so I went and joined one of the big four or big five at that time, Arthur Anderson, and knew that if I joined professional services firms, that would be easy for me to travel around the world. So it was in my 20s that I went and moved up professional services firms. And when I was in my late 20s, it was actually around when the GFC was happening, had the opportunity when I was looking around, I'd taken a career working in restructuring and turnaround. And I was working in Australia with one of the boutique firms. The GFC was starting to happen. And I sort of looked overseas and was like, wow, I want to be there when that's happening. And yeah, had an yeah. opportunity to like, right, I'm going to London. And I landed in London right when Lehman's collapsed and took an opportunity working with a global turnaround firm. So you leg it to London. Mm-hmm. Um, you are exposed to, you know, an interesting time in the market. Great work. Talk to us a little bit about what your observations were and what you were seeing over there at that time. It was just incredible. I mean, one, the networks that people had and just the sheer volume of companies. And I, I just remember my mind being blown because I thought Australia was big. And, you know, we had a lot of complexity and I remember just, you know, working at the scale of the companies that we were dealing with over there and being in the thick of the GFC, it was just, I mean, I was 28, was thrown in the deep end, but that was what I wanted. Like I wanted to to go over there and be in the thick of it. It was just incredible. I mean, the, the community of the Aussie expats and all of the other expats that were over there, we were all over to do the same thing, which was throw ourselves into these big challenging situations, Um, the experience and the depth of, it wasn't even just the professional experience, but it was the personal experience of the cultural experiences that we were having around travel and that sort of thing. And those friendships that you develop because you're throwing yourselves into those situations as well. And in a place like London, it's hard not to feel like you're at the centre of something special when you're afforded those opportunities, um, both personally and professionally. So you have an amazing time over there and then you return home. Can you share what was the motivation to return? So I I was over there with my then boyfriend, now husband. Um, We'd actually recently just got married when we were over in London and we'd returned home to get married and my career was going really well over there. And like many Australians that were sort of over there, we had ageing parents back here. And I guess it was a confluence of ageing parents. My father-in-law at that time wasn't actually able to go and travel to see us anymore because of illness. And we just sort of hit that point where we're like, actually, if we're going to be in London, it'll be for another five years. And we were thinking about kids, family, career was important as well. I had a career opportunity back home as well, which was it, it felt like an easy way for me to move home, but ultimately it was a family decision that brought us home because of parents. And I think for many of us, when I talk to friends overseas, it is that personal pull that brings us back, knowing that at any point career opportunities, it, career is important, 
but for us it was a family decision to move home. Yeah, and I, I think we hear that a lot and, and that's not to say that career is not important. It's not just the number one driver to get on the plane, so to speak. So Yeah, mm. totally. What kind of expat experiences have the Leaders on Demand team had? You know, you said before you've got the best job in the world, you get to talk to these really yep. interesting people. So you must hear some amazing stories of sectors that they come from and the experiences they've had. Can you just shed a bit of light on that? Yeah, so our team, we've got a team of independent contractors and the experiences that they bring are really unique. So I'd say that the team sort of split quite interestingly. We've got a group of Australians who have gone and worked overseas. Some of those individuals have been in multinationals and then come back. So they've sort of travelled in all of the different regions in leadership roles and then come back to Australia. So there's one group that's done that. The other group is what I'll call the sort of global citizens who are actually have decided to make Australia their home. So there's a large group, if you have a look on our website, who are typically South Africans or UK citizens. Increasingly, we're getting, I spoke to an Italian this week, who have decided actually Australia is the right place to emigrate to. And They've had incredible careers overseas and have now decided that actually they want to move to Australia and make Australia their home. So we're finding a really interesting mix of leaders on demand who have worked globally, had incredible careers and are now moving to Australia. And increasingly our team is also becoming global. So we do have a couple of leaders on demand who are now situated overseas as well. So you've got footprints in other countries, other bases. Yes, yeah. And I think that'll increase for us over time as we globalise our business as well. Yeah, fantastic. 85% of the leaders on demand team are senior execs who have lived the expat experience. I know you've said you've got these different pockets, but what do you put it down to that they bring? Like what is the attraction to what you're doing? What do they see in leaders in demand, do you think? There's three things that I consistently hear from leaders on demand when they talk to me and and this is in the initial interview when they approach us or they're referred to us typically. The first thing is I want to have really interesting, challenging work. So everyone wants to make a difference. They want to make an impact. But when you actually start digging into the conversation, it's really about that they're aligned to the purpose and the values of what we're doing as an organisation. And so, yes, they want to do interesting work, but actually it's really that alignment to the purpose and values of why and the ethos of why we've created an organisation, which is that, yes, you want to do interesting work, but it is that alignment to wanting to make a difference. And when you think about an expat that's actually been overseas, you know, had the courage to go and back themselves and throw themselves into these really challenging situations, that's what has really created that alignment for expats, I think, in in particular, that they're actually proven leaders who then back themselves. And our model is set up for independent contractors who run their own businesses who then back themselves to do that. So I think that's where our model really fits with expats who are coming back into the country to do that. And I think the third piece is really this sense of community and network. Um, And it's something that I know you talk a lot about and with the InSync piece as well, which is when you're an expat and you're coming back into Australia, there is this big, you know, expats are really great at 
very nimbly and agilely creating networks and community and just picking up the phone and calling people and reaching out. And that's one of the things that at Leaders on Demand, we're creating a community of like-minded people with the right attitude and the right mindset. And I think expats are just recognise that how I want to be around people that, you know, very diverse group of people, you know, very different way of thinking, happy, happy to challenge and open to being challenged and, you know, that sort of sense of community. So I think that's what's attracting expats. Yeah, it's lovely. I think that it is the recognition of both the professional experience of being an expat, but also the personal experience. It's it's the combination of both. I think you're right in thinking about the nimbleness and agility of thinking and experience. And I think, you know, the reality is, is there's nothing like shared experience to act as a glue in a community and to find others that understand your background and experience and the nuances of moving, not just careers, but lives and dogs and, you know, family units around the world is is really quite special. So um, that shared experience is brilliant. What problems do you think a senior executive with expat experience can solve for Australian companies? Oh, look, um, where to start? <laughs> <laughs> I think at the moment our customers are chief executives and C-suite leaders. And so when I reflect on your question, I mean, it's really a matter of matching the player to the person on the field and that that's how we think about it. So if our customer is a CEO, we look at it and say, well, who in our team can we bring on who stood in the shoes of the CEO who can support them? Then we look at it and say, well, who's actually got a different perspective who can actually help the CEO think differently, challenge them, be that sounding board, come and provide different perspective but with empathy and really you know, have their back in a difficult situation or ask them, have you thought about this in a different way or here's, here's something that we tried differently or here's a different different lens from a different sector. As an example, we've got some leaders in our team who have led huge transformations in telecommunications, but they're going, well, let us go and work in the healthcare sector or utilities because our sector experience from telecoms is easily adaptable into healthcare and utilities because the lessons that we've learned from telecoms is going to be really adaptable into these different sectors. You know, it's not this sector lens and just, you know, putting sector experience into a into the same sector. It's how can the adaptable experience go into a different sector? And I think that's where expats are really good at saying, this is the experience I've got. This is how it's adaptable into those different situations. Yeah, and, and we're in really interesting times, aren't we, you know, with post-COVID and, and you think a lot of expats have lived overseas through really big scenarios. GFC, you mentioned you'd done that yourself, really big disruptions in big markets on a global standing. And I think that experience also really, you know, adds contribution and, and perspective for those that may not have led through those times. I'm sure you must be seeing that play out for you as well. Absolutely. I think, you know, even a couple of years ago, there was a sense in Australia that a lot of leadership teams didn't necessarily have turnaround experience. Whereas if we looked overseas, you know, if you'd been in in the US or the UK, a lot of leadership teams had gone through the GFC and Australia hadn't. So leadership teams didn't have that turnaround muscle. 
now everywhere globally has been through the pandemic. So there is that sense of leadership teams have learnt how to deal with a crisis. But it is, you know, you've still got, you know, now there's global talk of, you know, is there going to be a recession? Well, yet to see how that plays out, but the macroeconomic environment at the moment is really interesting. No one knows how that's going to play out, and yet we've got expats overseas who have got incredible skills, and I think there's an opportunity for Australian leadership teams to say, what is it that we need to be doing differently, and what are the skills that we need, and to get curious about how can we do things differently. So your leaders on demand are often people who don't want a permanent C-level role, but they still want to do, in your words, good work for good people. What is it about expats and career as a personal driver, do you think? One of the themes that comes up constantly in the conversations I have is I'm always running to the fire. So I hear this all the time from, from the leaders I'm interviewing. I run to the fire the more challenging it is, the more I thrive. And I think that's something that, you know, if I reflect on my personal experience, I wanted to be in the thick of it. Like when I went to the GFC, that was just something I wanted to be over there and experiencing something big and meaty and complex. The leaders on demand that we have coming into the team now have this real desire to go and make an impact. And when they're talking about career is important it's I guess some of them are at the it's not the tail end of their career by any means but it's they've gone and had big careers but they're still saying I've got a huge impact that I want to make but I don't necessarily need to make it in a nine to four who who works nine to five now I don't necessarily need to make it in that you know permanent corporate role but I'm very comfortable making it in short sharp bursts yeah yeah so Even recognising, I think having that level of self-awareness from a career perspective that they can have a huge impact but make it in a different way. And I I think expats have also built up a level of self-awareness because when you throw yourself into these foreign environments, you've really just got to stand on your own two feet and have a level of self-reliance and determination and courage that you've built up. And so I think there is this, a level of awareness that expats build up. Yeah. We speak to a lot of people who have had these extraordinary career highs and experiences at a senior level, and they are very realistic about their transition back to Australia and say, look, I'm not expecting to do a like-for-like transition, but I do want to do great work. And I think it is when you are looking at maybe thinking about what other ways you can structure your career, be it in a more portfolio sense, something such as Leaders on Demand is a fantastic avenue to consider. Yeah. What are your current observations of Australian organisations and their hiring or engagement practices with Australians who have been expats? Look, I think this is where there's potentially a real missed opportunity. I'll give you a couple of examples that I've heard of recently. So the classic one is the ASX corporate. They'll put out an advertisement. Uh, which, you know, through the recruiters and the first thing that you see for the ASX C-suite role is must-have ASX-listed experience. Now, whether that's the mandate of the ASX company or whether it's the mandate of the recruiter that's putting these essential requirements on the job description, 
I think it just creates a really shallow pool for the company to be searching from because when you're looking from a pool of candidates that's only had ASX experience, we're missing out on the huge pool of returning expats, let alone like the pool of candidates that are already in Australia. So that's one issue that I see coming up all the time um, that I think restricts Australian companies and, you know, ASX companies from picking the best candidate necessarily. The other is, and and I heard of a situation recently where there was this, oh, you should pick someone with local experience and local networks. Yeah, and we I, hear that a and lot. And I think you must hear that a lot, yeah. <laughs> and I think when I talk to expats and, and leaders, and, and I hear this from leaders on demand who are talking to us and they've sort of come back and they're, and they're talking to us and, you know, I'll hear feedback from they've spoken to a couple of recruiters and one of the things is you don't have enough local experience and, you know, they've been suggested to talk to us and we're like, great, come and join us. You've backed yourself to go and set up a business. Yeah. I mean, it, it works for us because we're very happy to pick up exceptional experienced leaders that are aligned to our model. So I just feel like it's a real missed opportunity for Australian corporates that they're not picking up these very talented leaders because not having necessarily having deep local networks is not a reason to pick up a talented leader. Yeah. So, look, I think it's that systemic issue and I think it almost goes to some of the diversity, equity and inclusion piece of I'll pick someone that looks, sounds, knows people like me. Um, Yeah, I think that's a really important piece and and I often think we hear things like, oh, the brand I've worked for is not present in Australia. So the feedback they've had is, oh, we don't understand the brand, we don't understand mm -hmm. the business and it's like, well, we can localise it with an example, but just because it's not in Australia doesn't mean that it's irrelevant. And I think, that, as you say, to that diversity and inclusion piece is is so um, is so important. I also think it's a really interesting narrative playing out at the moment when we've got a so called skill shortage. Totally, we then go to look for well, if they're they're not here, we can't touch them, feel them, hear them. It's 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 very short, so. I'd be interested if we're, as to whether or not you think that's changing or do you think it's merely a response to the time that we're in? Look, I, I think it has to change, particularly in the context of remote work as well. I mean, the examples globally in the US and the UK are their remote work organisations, so remote first organisations. Some sectors are leading the way in this around technology companies and you know fintech and that sort of thing. I think some of the more traditional sectors perhaps aren't going to be as um, to the forefront with that. But it is this, until I've got my feet on the ground and I can go and do face-to-face meetings, there is an element, and we all know face-to-face connection and it's hard to beat. <laughs> so, Absolutely, yeah. But I think at the, at the senior, well, at any level really, there is an opportunity with talent we need to take this opportunity to rethink how we're making decisions about work and career and really use this time not to go back to what we were doing before, but to think about, is there a better way to do it? And if someone's sitting up in Singapore that is the best person for this role, but they happen to be based in Singapore and the, and our company is based in Sydney, actually doesn't make sense because we can run the team in a hybrid team and actually just fly the individual in for a quarterly face-to-face if the rest of the team is remote. Does that make sense? 
And it's interesting because in the survey that we're conducting at the moment, one of the questions we ask is, would you be prepared to work with or for an Australian-based organisation or team from abroad? And the insights initially are overwhelmingly yes, but do you believe that that is a mindset that people are open to? is overwhelmingly no. Hmm. So we've got this disconnect around how do we best bridge, I guess, the world of possibility, what could be possible and what could be advantageous for that. So um, there'll be interesting um, insights around that, I'm sure. Yeah. So how could Australian uh, companies capture some of the, I guess, 30% returned expats that are staying here? I mean, based on estimates of 100,000 expats returning on any given year, COVID was an exception with more than 600,000 Aussies coming home. This is a potential pool of at least 10,000 that we have to tap into. So what would be your thoughts around how organisations and companies can best capture that? Firstly, I was sort of staggered by the numbers here um, and particularly on uh, on the COVID stats. Look, I mean, the government's been trying to make it easier for people to get home. I think we'll, we'll see how that goes over the next um, couple of years. I, I'm expecting it to make it easier for Australians to get home and also for you know, additional visas to be issued as well because I think, to your point earlier about skills shortage, um, everywhere I go and the recruiters that I talk to are just saying it is incredibly difficult to find people. I think from a systemic perspective, I think recruiters and corporates have really got a role to play. So that is, you know, if you're a company and you're looking for talent, I think gone are the days of sort of sitting here waiting for just resumes to be coming in. I think it's really be about being proactive and starting the search and going going out and looking for people. So you know, we talk about the brain drain and going, everyone's gone overseas. I think it's about getting proactive and, and searching. I think, you know, the role that organisations like NSYNC play about nurturing talent and helping them come back, I think is really important. I think likewise with Advance Australia sort of being able to connect up and create that community. I think even with the multinationals in able to sort of being able to bring talent home. I mean, I was chatting with some of the professional services firms recently, they've even said it's quite difficult to move some talent back to Australia at the moment. So I think at the moment it is that still it's a bit of a blockage in terms of being able to yeah, try. The system. The system yeah. is a little bit difficult. Um, and actually what we're seeing, particularly at lower levels, is actually this just rush of talent still fleeing to go over, particularly at, yeah. more, at more junior levels. So, look, I think we're at a really interesting point where there's that re real rebalancing that's going to happen. At senior levels, if people wanting to come home, I think it's really going to be quite competitive for companies and they really it, it's really about trying to attract talent and say, we are the company that's going to be arms wide open. This is why you need to join us because we're welcoming expats. And I think it's interesting because the technology that we have today to track and map talent pools is really sophisticated, even 10 years on, you know, where we were. Um, I think the opportunity to widen our mapping and tracking of potential candidates and leaders in industries or leaders in, in skill sets about where they go offshore so that we do build and maintain that connection. Yes. So for senior executives coming home, what what considerations would you recommend to them to help navigate networks and choices when it comes to work? Look, I think there's a step before that, which is really getting clear on why you're coming home. 
And I think until until you're clear on why you're coming home and what your priorities are and sort of your purpose, I think that's that's the first bit in my mind because I think you've got to be clear on on that first and even understanding your personal values and sort of how that frames up your decision making because I found that helpful for me and, and the leaders that I speak to. I think once you're clear on that, even, you know, where you want to live and the decision, like how that sets the constraints and boundaries for some of those key decisions. Yeah, they become anchors, yeah. Correct, yeah. So uh, I'd say that that would be the first piece in my mind. Then when you're thinking about career and networks, all of the get in early and, and start building out networks. I mean, I spoke to someone this week and he was saying he started, you know, he's a recent immigrant to Australia and he said he started building networks two years before he moved out here. And and I think that's, you know, that takes a lot of time, effort and commitment to remotely building out a network. And it, it's a big personal investment. Now, if I look at my personal experience, I had not, I returned to Sydney. I'd been in London and Europe for five years, but I'd also lived in Melbourne for five years before that. So I'd not lived in Sydney for 10 years when I came back and I'd maintained some network, but it was, was very different. So it was a, a big investment for me when I got back to like actively put myself out there in new, new networks. I'd actually already landed a job when I came back, but it was like going and creating a a new, like I was out there every week going and building a new professional network because I felt like I needed to do that. And that was when I already had a job. Yeah, I often default to I need my network to help me find a job. In most cases, we actually need our network to help us do the job as well. And, you know, it's important to remember that we need to be cultivating that, not just from a locality perspective, but also from, you know, a knowledge and functional perspective, um, which is where I think connection to retaining our overseas networks is so important as well, because they continue to contribute to us when we come home. And so who is a good fit for leaders in demand or, sorry, leaders on demand? Anyone who is an experienced C-suite leader who is values and purpose driven, but really what we're looking for is someone who is aligned to our ethos as a courageous leader. And ultimately it's that mindset and attitude that really sets them apart because they've really got to have you know know what it's like to be in in the shoes of the CEO or the chief people officer and have that mindset and empathy with our customers that's what we're looking for is you know the proven leader who backs themselves but also brings that right mindset fabulous Anyone who's listening can feel free to reach out to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we on that, we will share your website details and yeah. contact details and your LinkedIn profile mm-hmm. in all of our show notes. So please, if you're listening, do head to the episode show notes for those details. Um, what, what do you think the Australian public and private sector could be doing more of to tap into the senior execs working overseas who want to come home? We may have addressed this a little bit earlier, but I'm just interested if you've got any other final thoughts. The remote working hybrid piece is something that I'm saying, I mean, just even recent commentary on LinkedIn, I'm seeing a lot more around that where 
we've all got used to working remotely. So I think that is one thing where rethinking how we make decisions about work and career. And I think that's something that we've been doing in Australia. I mean, we've seen the the shift from people living in the cities to moving to regional areas and having decisions like that. And yet we're, we're assuming that expats have to move home to live and work in the same city. And so I think yeah. and so yeah. I think it's a really interesting thing for us to think about, which is well, if you enjoy living overseas, why do you have to move home to have the same benefits? So I think that's one thing that we need to rethink. I think the opportunity for Australian recruiters and leadership teams to actually, you know, particularly those who are thinking about globalizing their business rather than bringing Australian leaders back home is actually thinking about having the leaders overseas and actually in the growth markets, why don't you tap into leaders who are already there in the local market as an opportunity? But that requires a little bit of forward thinking and having people on the ground, but it's no reason not to do it. It's just it requires being proactive. And so maybe it's you know an opportunity for some of the global recruiter firms to be a little bit more connected up with where the local talent is and what the need is and yeah. Uh, Julia, I know that you and I could sit and discuss so many of these points yeah. all day <laughs> and, and times we have <laughs> um, but I always do really enjoy our conversations. I think the perspective that you bring and that Leaders on Demand brings is you know really encouraging to see and I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today so thank you. Thanks Margot. Leaders on Demand is a distribution partner of our inaugural Australian Expat Career Survey 2022. If you're an Aussie expat still overseas or returned in the last three years, we would love to hear your views. Go to australianexpatcareersurvey2022.com or follow the link on the InSync website. All participants will receive first access to the survey report, plus the opportunity to join a complimentary career repatriation workshop and networking event with other returning Australian expats. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please do leave us a review, share it with your friends and family and subscribe for future episodes.